I was uh, kind of running around in the lobby. Good morning, by the way. Merry Christmas. Uh, when I was running around in the back making sure that, uh, you know, if I could help at all with chairs, I uh, don't know why I thought I could help with that, but they had it all under control. And somebody said, wow, Jim, you really know how to pack it out. And I said, yeah, one service. Um, you know, I, I was actually where we talked about this. We were a little concerned that uh, there might be a, a crowding issue. Um, one of the things that we are pretty dedicated as best as we can to try to meet together as one family. Uh, we don't have two services because uh, it's just best to divide and conquer. We have two services because of the amount of people that are here. But uh, this really is a special time, is it not? Especially for those of you, uh, it's just good to be together like this. Uh, the other thing that I never want to do is just spend crazy amounts of money to build a sanctuary twice the size for something like this either. So uh, we really are thinking through this and really uh, want to, to take the time to celebrate as family this wonderful time of year and to, to kind of think through what the Bible teaches about Christmas so that we don't get trapped or maybe even caught up um, in a lot of the things that just happen to us naturally and normally. There are, uh, there are uh, circumstances that come into our lives where there is relational strain and then Christmas comes in and it can provide a sense of tension but also hopefully peace. And, and listen, I, I get the, the complexity and Christmas comes and we begin shopping in like late June and we begin to, uh, or at least they advertise like we should, and, and then we, we, we begin and, and we can get caught up, right, in materialism. But it's also a time to be generous, right? So, so do you see how even a lot of the struggles that we have around Christmas really aren't, it's not Christmas's fault. It's not not God's fault. We take generosity and we can, left to ourselves without guidance and direction from the Holy Spirit, um, we take generosity and and we turn it into. We we take prosperity and then we, we, we turn it into something that it was never intended by God. And so Christmas comes in and hopefully I've grown up in a number of different ways and I've gone through the, oh, I just, I hate the materialism of Christmas. And I I still don't like the materialism of Christmas. But there are ways for us to to combat that with the story of Jesus. So let's remember that. I I, I know that, that, I know there are kids in the room, by the way, so no one needs to panic. Um, Santa, right? He, I get why he needs to make a list and check it twice. I get it. He's human. But, but God doesn't need to check it twice. God doesn't need to go, uh, I wonder if Jim's been good or bad this year. He, he doesn't need to go back and, and check on things. I get why Santa does, but remember, God doesn't. Also remember that, you know, when it, when it really comes down to it, you know, um, God knows not only what I do, but he even knows, like, my thoughts. He knows all of that. So is anybody think they deserve anything for Christmas from God's perspective? And, and by the way, the, the answer to that question is yes. And, and not because you've been nice. And not because you've been good. But actually because of who he is. Think about that. Santa makes a list, checks it twice, and then there's not your nice presents and coal. Lumps of coal. It came up with lumps of coal. Lumps of coal. God looks at us 
knows the amazing truth about us and says, I'm going to give you the greatest gift of all. Wow. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? And here's the thing that just even blows me away even more. To just make sure, we've been preaching on this for years now, that to be a follower of Jesus Christ is not about being good. That yes, the Holy Spirit comes in and, and changes us when we give our life to God, when we, when we trust what Jesus has done for us. And instead of you and I trying to be good and trying to measure up, we now receive what God has given to us and that's Jesus, Merry Christmas, right? That's wonderful. But sometimes even good people need God. Did you know that? Like good people need God. I remember a song came out a long time ago and I remember hearing it and not paying attention to it and then I remember hearing it one day. And it was a song that was actually done and then redone and in this remake, it was the, that band that I, I listened to and the, and, the, and the phrase went like this, that I'm still a man meaning I'm a follower of God, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. And I'm still a man in need of a savior. Like I still need Christmas. I'll never grow out of that need. No matter how good I get, no matter how much I, I learn self-control, I still need God. Did you know that? Like you still need God this Christmas to interject, to inject himself, to intervene in your life. Because even good people, even right people, still need God even to make the right kind of decisions. Right people still need God to make right decisions. We are now in our text. If you're in, um, we're in Matthew's gospel, so we kind of timed it right so that we would begin, and so I get to kind of follow along. We spent two weeks on the genealogy because it's a genealogy. And now we're in Matthew verse 18, chapter one. Matthew chapter one, verse 18, it's the Christmas story. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, to Joseph, meaning they're not married, they're betrothed. It's a, it's a promise. It's something that is coming in the future. Now, by the way, in, in Jewish society, especially in the first century, to break off a betrothal would be just like a divorce. So Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And, and so I, I know with, with you, this just sounds like it's got like tinsel all over it. I mean, somehow this actually looks like a Christmas tree. But you put it back in its first context, and it's uh, a young couple that are just starting out on life. Um, the decision to be married isn't really even that old. They don't even know the full ramifications of all of this. Joseph is going through his life, and then one day he hears, did you know the woman who you have not married yet, you haven't been with yet, she's pregnant. Luke 1 says it this way. You don't need to turn there because, you know, Matthew and Luke, but Luke 1 puts it this way. So an angel appears to her and says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. But Joseph doesn't have this information. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will call his name Jesus and he will be great 
He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Matthew emphasized that in the genealogy. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So Joseph and Mary have it planned out. They've included their family, which is very common. And now they're getting ready to just go through the motions because we have it all planned out. And we know it's interesting that... um, that God doesn't ask Joseph's permission. God, God doesn't say, hey, Joseph, I'm, I'm thinking about using your wife for this special project. And, and I know it's gonna totally mess up your plans and I just wanna get an okay from you first. I don't know if I ever really noticed that. I mean, I knew it. I don't know if I noticed it. That God has a plan that is set in motion, that comes as a gift to you and I, that right people, good people, good folk like you and I, more than you than I, good folk, still need God, and as God is moving forward with his wonderful plan to change the world, he doesn't first ask our permission I love to be reminded, and I love to remind others, God has never asked me for my opinion on his kingdom. He's never appeared to me and said, hey, Jim, I'm thinking of doing this. Really need your input on this decision. Think about that. Christmas is 100% God's idea. And, And Joseph and Mary, just like you and I, are coming along for the ride. We don't get any of this in Matthew's gospel. If if I were to just use Matthew's gospel, verse 18 through the end of the chapter in one, I would miss this. Luke and Matthew together together give us this great story. So so Joseph is going to hear about this. We need to get back to Matthew, okay? So so look at Matthew in verse 19, and this is why it's, it's even good to look at how the gospels come together. Because in Matthew's gospel, it's just verse 18, he's betrothed and now he finds out that his wife is, is, is pregnant and he, they, they haven't been together yet. Look at verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, who knows how to make right decisions, who knows how to do what is honorable in the eyes of God, being a just man, was unwilling to put her to shame. And he resolved to divorce her quietly. Listen, I I don't know how this happened, but now I want to still protect her. And so what I'm going to do, because I'm just and because I care, and here's what I find just um, both unsettling and yet also reassuring, is that here is a right guy with all of the information he thought about to make a wrong decision. And so I love the reminder this time of year that good people like you and I still need God in order to make the right decisions about life. And not just that, but that God intervened with needed information. 
God doesn't just leave us out making decisions in the dark. But he sends angels. He sends information. He sends the things necessary so that you and I cannot just be trapped in being good and and making good decisions, but actually making the appropriate decisions with the information that we have. And, And more information is needed, and God provides yet another angel. Angel after angel after angel. He provides another angel. Verse 20 But as he considered these things, this is Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See, and that's really what Christmas is all about. Good people and and, and bad people receiving a gift from God. And even good people who are are doing their best to continue to, to love God and to honor God still need God, still need God's intervention, still need God's revelation so that we can do more than just make right decisions as we go along life. But actually like decisions that are responding constantly to what God is doing. And he's still doing things. God didn't just do something many, many years ago. He he is not like many have said over the last few hundred years. He is not this, this, this designer who basically sets all of this in motion and then stands back and just literally lets it go. And now the world is set upon its own course, upon its own direction, and I'm going to sit back and just take lists of naughty and nice. That's not God. God continually comes to us. God continually reveals himself to us through his word. God continually shares the truth about himself and his love for us, his plan for us in Jesus Christ. Like over and over and over again, I would argue that God is more involved and more active than any of us could ever realize. And we have these relational problems, um, even relational blessings that can become distractions. And, And we have degrees of poverty and prosperity that can that can be a distraction. And yet God continually to to, to push upon us his grace and his truth. I don't think there's just one miracle at Christmas. I think there seems to be miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. If we were to just even count them, let's think about the different miracles that we get to celebrate at Christmas. We have the miracle of an angel, literally a messenger, coming and revealing what God is doing. We, we saw one to, to, uh, to Zechariah, which would be John the Baptist's father. We, we saw one come to Mary, and then we, we see one come to Joseph in a dream. Like angels are coming, and then they come to the shepherds to announce this, this great news. These angels are this intrusion upon our life with information from God. Miracle. 
A star appears in the sky, and I'm not saying that this star appearing just is all of these things set in motion. I don't know how exactly it happened, but these wise men set out. We don't know when they arrive, but we do know there is a star, and the wise men are on the move. A virgin about to give birth. Miracle after miracle after miracle. I've heard it said, actually, that one of the greatest miracles that happens during this time of the year or as a response to this time of the year, one of the greatest miracles is the change that happens in you and I. Actually, probably not. I can think of actually something that is far more, I mean, listen, I, I, I'll tell you, I am so grateful for the change that has happened in my heart for what has happened in my mind, where I can now understand and see and respond to what God has done. Listen, all of those things, angels and stars and virgins, the miracle that happens in each of us, all of those things truly can be miraculous. They are uh, the natural course of events being interrupted by God. That is by definition the miracle. But the miracles of Christmas pale in comparison to the miracle of Christmas. Singular, all caps. The miracle of Christmas. Verses 22 and 23 of Matthew 1 say it this way. Here's the problem. You've heard this so many times. Oh yeah, Matthew chapter one, verses 22 and 23. This is the miracle of Christmas. Angels came to talk about this. A star came to point people to this. The virgin was with child because of what was going to happen here. The change in all of us, as wonderful as that is, and as grateful as I am, means nothing. It is nothing but a, if, if this doesn't happen, it's nothing but a psychological assessment and a reassessment and a reorganization of my life. We are nothing but a sociological experiment, another religion. But this is the miracle of Christmas. This is why we gather. And this is where both poverty and prosperity find greater purpose and meaning when we gather around this. This is when families, strange or not strange, joyful or trying to be joyful, at least look joyful, finds meaning and purpose. Because all this took place, Matthew records, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. No longer God and us. No longer this war between God and us. No longer this division between God who is holy and good and us following after our first mother and father, Adam and Eve, trying to be good, some of us, 
failing all of us. The true miracle of Christmas, if you just stop and think about it, is this. I went to graduate school, so here's my word. The incarnation. Not the milk, right? (laughs) The incarnation. Or we could put it this way. God became one of us. How, how, do, how do you get your mind around that? That God, forever other, forever greater, forever holy, becomes one of us. How, how, do, we, how do we respond to the greatness of what God has accomplished when he who did not know sin became one of us? He who did not know limits became one of us. He who did not know pain became one of us. We haven't started talking about Easter. I'll wait until April for that. But the miracle of Christmas... The miracles of Christmas all flow from this. And sometimes it's just good to stop and to reflect and even to pause and say thank you to God for the gift of himself. See, this is the information, by the way, that Joseph needed. This is the information in part that Mary had. That God had set everything into motion from the beginning of the world. That God in his perfect foreknowledge and his divine love and mercy looks at each and every one of us and doesn't say, you know what they need? Another good shopping reason. You know what they need? They need another good reason to get together. No, if we didn't have Christmas, we would make another one up. Wouldn't we? But they need me. Like they need me. Like what you need this Christmas is, is God. And, and you don't have to try to be good enough to get him. And you don't have to be, try to be nice enough so that he will respond to you. But he's already there. He's already been given. Because this is God's plan from the beginning. And so now Joseph, this very good man, has all the information necessary. And notice how the Christmas story somewhat concludes, at least as far as Matthew is concerned. So Joseph's in a dream. He now wakes up from this dream. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Now everything is lined up. Everything is, is, is ready. Everything is set. Everything is, is moving. 
the information is there and the right people are there and it is now all ready to come together. Why? Because God has something greater in store for you than you ever could imagine. And I would even say this, even though you know all the information and even though you have all of the facts, I would argue that the incarnation, the fullness of God becoming flesh, that Jesus takes on human flesh, empties himself and takes on our form so that he could become one of us, so that he could come and die for us, so that we could spend eternity with him, that I know you have that information. It's kind of like, yeah, I know that Christmas is coming, but there's a difference between knowing that Christmas is coming in Christmas arriving. And we are forever waiting in anticipation. We are forever living out what Jesus Christ has already done for us and eagerly looking forward to the day when it all makes perfect sense when he comes again. I, I never know what to do with this word. It's, it's not a word that we use unless it's associated with the word Christmas. So again, being somewhat still an academic, I think it might be good for us to look at it this way. The word Mary from the dictionary, I don't know if you guys like dictionary definitions, but here, here it is. This is what Mary, it's an adjective by the way. Okay, for those, how many of you love, like grammar? Raise your hand if you like grammar. Wow, okay. Maybe you guys should be speaking better, but here we go. Uh, it's an adjective. Um, n- notice that it means cheerful and lively. For, for example, the narrow streets were dense with merry throngs of students. It's synonyms, words that are like it would be cheerful and cheery, high in spirits, high-spirited, bright, sunny, smiling, light-hearted, buoyant, lively, carefree, without a care in the world, joyful, joyous, jolly, con- uh, convivial, festive. Don't even know what that word means. Oh, it means merry. Convivial, festive, <laughs> mirthful, another word we don't use, gleeful, happy, glad, laughing. But let's be honest, we don't use the word merry unless it's coming after Christmas or before, before Christmas. It's not a word that we use. But it definitely should be a word that we like experience. Merry Christmas. It's like a greeting, isn't it? It's like, hi, how are you? Oh, it's December. You just said to me, Merry Christmas. But literally what we're talking about is the fact that God in his love for us whether we're naughty or nice, came and said, I choose, the divine prerogative, I choose to enter into your mess, to redeem you from it. I hope that this Christmas, that the word Mary isn't just something that you say, but it is something that you experience. And not just because the food is great, and not just because you get a couple of days off work, and not just because you get to see people that you haven't seen for a long time. 
but because underneath and around and all around all of that is the fact that God chose to give his son for us as the greatest gift of all. And I hope and pray that as you spend your next few days celebrating and being merry, being cheerful, being convivial, I'm gonna start using that word, sound like Steve Broadway, being convivial, (laughs) okay? Think about it. (laughs) How much it would change our witness to this time of year. How much it would shape the dynamics that happen in our homes and in our workplaces. That may it be said of us, of all people, that those who are followers of Jesus Christ really are the most merry, the most joyful, the most I don't have a care in the world because I know Jesus. Like I am absolutely, um, I feel like dancing in the narrow streets because I know Jesus. I, I know the truth about who he is. I know the reason why he came. Like, Jesus is coming? I know him. (laughs) Half of you get the reference. I know him. I know him. I hope you know him. Let's pray. And so God, we thank you for your kindness to us. Father, the amazing story, which is... um, We use the word story, and sometimes, God, we would even use that in the way that it would describe um, something that doesn't even have to be real, but the Christmas story is real. And I thank you for all of the human involvement. And more than that, like your engagement with them to bring them to an understanding and a response to you. I'm grateful for Zechariah and Elizabeth, for John, for Joseph and for Mary and and for their family, which for the most part are completely unnamed and unknown. God, I thank you for angels that were sent by you to do whatever it is you asked them to do. I'm grateful for the change that exists in those of us who know Jesus Christ personally, intimately. But God, Christmas is really about you about your gift to us. And therefore, I pray that we would be, first of all, mindful of what the real meaning of Christmas is. And then, Father, I pray that that doesn't just make us sad and that doesn't just tell us that we shouldn't really enjoy ourselves, but that, God, in light of what you have done and in light of who you are, that we would respond merrily. God, may we celebrate, may we give well, May we receive well. God, may we be an example this time of year because we know you and you are so good. Thank you for making Christmas merry. And it's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. Amen. Um, Well, if you think it's hot and packed now, wait till you come back on Christmas Eve service.
Uh, it's kind of like this, only dark the entire time. Uh, we, we are, we put on together a, a kind of a real special time for us to kind of look through the story of Christmas in a little bit of a different way, and we would really like for you to come and be a part of that. We were handing these out. Hopefully you got one. Um, not only do we want to remind you, uh, on our website, the, the, the time is actually right. It is 6 o'clock. I do know that in our, um, uh, Jill, what are they called real quick? Events guides. And our event guide, it actually, I think, has either, I think it has 5.30 in it, but we decided um, from talking to a number of you that 6 o'clock really would be the best time. We keep forgetting some of you actually have places to go, so we don't want to have it too late, and some of you are coming from a place, so we don't want to have it too early. So 6 o'clock is when we're going to meet, um, and it will be probably about 50 minutes, and we will have a time of uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper together like we always do. We'll have a time of giving uh, to kind of the needs that are specifically involved and needed in our community around us, and so we will be doing that. Really looking forward to that time together, so hopefully we will see you this Thursday night at our Christmas Eve service at 6 o'clock. Um, don't be afraid to give this away either. Invite somebody else. Um, to, uh, to come and be a part of this. Uh, I do know that uh, Christmas is complicated and difficult, and if you would like to talk about that, or let me just be honest, as special as Christmas is, if you don't know him, you really need to know him. And I know a lot of people who would love to talk with you and help you understand what that really means to know Jesus, and we are always available. We love you guys. Merry Christmas. We'll see you Thursday night. God bless.